the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30, we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. As we prepare to hear the scriptures, let us pray. Merciful God, cleanse our hearts with the truth of your word and put your Holy Spirit within us so that we may receive your grace and glorify you in our grateful acts of service. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. A reading from the book of Leviticus. This will be on page 57 in in your pew Bible. Listen for God's word to you. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the whole community of the Israelites, You must be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. When you harvest your land's produce, you must not harvest all the way to the edge of the field, and don't gather up every remaining bit of your harvest. Also, do not pick your vineyard clean or gather up all the grapes that have fallen there. Leave these items for the poor and the immigrant. I am the Lord your God. You must not steal nor deceive nor lie to each other. You must not swear falsely by my name, desecrating your God's name in doing so. I am the Lord. You must not oppress your neighbors or rob them. Do not withhold a hired laborer's pay overnight. You must not insult a deaf person or put some obstacle in front of a blind person that would cause them to trip. Instead, fear your God. I am the Lord. You must not act unjustly in a legal case. Do not show favoritism to the poor or deference to the great. You must judge your fellow Israelites fairly. Do not go around slandering your people. Do not stand by while your neighbor's blood is shed. I am the Lord. You must not hate your fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your fellow Israelites strongly so you don't become responsible for their sin. You must not take revenge nor hold a grudge against any of your people. Instead, you must love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading comes to us from the Gospel of Luke. Listen, the word is near to us on our lips and in our hearts. A Torah expert stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, 
what is written in the Torah? How do you interpret it? He responded, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But the Torah expert wanted to prove that he was right. So he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He encountered thieves who stripped him naked, beat him up, and left him near dead. Now it just so happened that a priest was also going down the same road. When he saw the injured man, he crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. Likewise, a Levite came by that spot, saw the injured man, and crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. A Samaritan, who was on a journey, came to where the man was. But when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. The Samaritan went to him and bandaged his wounds, tending them with oil and wine. Then he placed the wounded man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he gave two full days' worth of wages and gave them to the innkeeper. He said, take care of him, and when I return, I will pay you back for any additional costs. What do you think? Which one of these three was a neighbor to the man who encountered thieves? Then the Torah expert said, the one who demonstrated mercy toward him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In 1969, just a year after the public broadcasting service began to air Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, the network invited us to another neighborhood where sunny days sweep the clouds away and the air is sweet. That's right, PBS took us to Sesame Street. About a month in, Bob McGrath, one of Big Bird's human neighbors, turned to the camera and asked a question that we've been humming for 50 years now. Who are the people in your neighborhood? If you know it, sing along with me. Who are the people in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood? Oh, who are the people in your neighborhood? They're the people that you meet each day. Yes, yes, they're the people like the doctor and the letter carrier, the garbage collector and the librarian, all of these people whose lives weave the tapestry of wherever we call home. Our gospel reading introduces us to a few other people active in the neighborhood. 
priests and bandits and people left on the side of the road. They're the people that you meet each day. Well, I mean, maybe you only see priests when you travel to Jerusalem for festivals, as Jesus often did. And if you were lucky, you didn't run into bandits, but everyone knew that they lurked along the highways. If you were traveling around Judea, you almost certainly met someone who had been robbed, maybe even left for dead. And then, of course, there were Samaritans, folks whom, if they moved next door, would prompt your average Judean to say, well, there goes the neighborhood. Judeans and Samaritans both worshipped the God of Abraham and Sarah and Moses and Miriam, but Judeans suspected that the Samaritans never stopped worshipping foreign gods. After all, how could their devotion be acceptable when they read a different version of the Torah? Samaritans, for their part, remembered bitterly how their temple on Mount Gerizim had crumbled beneath the nationalist zeal of Judean soldiers who claimed that the Holy One resided in the Jerusalem temple alone. No wonder, then, that shortly before he told this story, Jesus, a Judean, was refused lodging in a Samaritan village. The disciples had gone ahead to try to find a room for the night, but came back to report that they would have to keep on walking. Typical Samaritans, right? But then Jesus does a very Jesus-y thing and tells a story that flips the idea of a typical Samaritan, a typical anyone, on its head. Imagine, if you will, Jesus tells the company of disciples, being left for dead in a ditch. After the respectable people, your people, your nationality, your political party, your creed, your class, when they pass you by, Imagine, who else but the last person you would want to call good stops to see if you're still breathing? Of course, we might call the Samaritan good. We've named our hospitals and clinics and credit unions after this good Samaritan, but Jesus never does. The Samaritan stops to listen to the voice of compassion in his gut, honoring the knot in his stomach. But that's when he sees you in the ditch. He ignored it back in Jerusalem when he passed the beggars at the city gates. He stoops down to bandage your wounds, but you can smell the reek of cheap alcohol and cigarettes seeping from his pores. He carries you on his donkey to safety, 
but he'll still vote against your interests in November. God alone is good. The Samaritan is complicated. So are you, so am I, so are all of us. As writer and Episcopal priest Barbara Brown Taylor says, the good news is only good when you have given up your ideas about who is good and who is bad. Jesus' parable even turns its premise inside out. The original question was, who is my neighbor? In its place, Jesus asks us, which of these three was a neighbor? The first question wants nouns, categories of people to label neighbor, and other categories to label enemy or Not my concern. The second question demands verbs. Verbs like which one acted like a neighbor, which one neighbored the person in need. Verbs like felt compassion and bandaged and took care and demonstrated mercy. Such verbs don't stay in categories easily. Even Samaritans can do them. Your neighbor operates outside the bounds of what you call good. Your neighbor doesn't answer to your categories. Your neighbor isn't even yours to love. Not at first. Because by the end of Jesus' story, it's clear that you are the one being loved. Did you catch that? The command that the Torah expert recites from Leviticus, you must love your neighbor as yourself, gets a footnote from Jesus. In order to love your neighbor, you must receive your neighbor's love. When British priest Sam Wells served as dean of Duke Chapel in Durham, North Carolina, he teased out this idea of receiving love. Love begins, of course, with God, but on the road to Jericho, as in the cancer floor at CMC, as in the uninsulated homes dotting the landscape, there doesn't seem to be enough God to go around. Suffering and death pounce on us, rob us of health and joy, leave us stranded. The psalmist's laments are right at home here. Where are you, God? Sam Wells doesn't deny suffering. But he doesn't think that there's not enough God. In fact, there's too much God. He writes, the problem is we are finite beings and our imaginations aren't big enough to take in the too much that God is and the too much that God gives. God lavishes the world with grace as free-flowing as the Samaritan's oil and wine. 
But that grace only comes through other people, people very different from ourselves. The gospel is not to scurry around busily, making up for the scarcity Jesus so carelessly left behind when making a botched job of the kingdom of God, Wells says. The gospel is to receive the abundance God has to give us through those the world sees only for what they lack, and thus to allow God to give us everything we need. Wells urges us to go beyond doing things for our neighbors, things like feeding them, clothing them, re-insulating their houses. He even challenges us to go further than working with our neighbors, empowering people to find employment, run food pantries, or put sweat equity into their Habitat for Humanity houses. More than these, Wells wants us to be with our neighbors, to hang out with them, to enjoy them for who they are. Yes, practical problems need to be solved, and, oh yes, sticky structural problems need good policy. But love says, I don't want to wait around until the problems are solved to discover how good it is when sisters and brothers dwell together in unity. Love says, God doesn't think that we're problems to fix. God likes us. Love says the word became flesh and lived among us full of grace and truth. Indeed, Jesus, the storyteller, Jesus, the Savior, is our model for this kind of love. You see, in a month, when we re-enter the drama of Jesus' death and resurrection, we will give thanks for what Christ has done for us. But for three years, leading up to those three days, Jesus taught disciples and fed crowds and answered questions with more questions. Jesus embodied ministry with others. And before then, for 30 years, leading up to those three years, leading up to those three days, What was Jesus doing? Living with, being with ordinary people like you and me and our neighbors. Jesus enjoyed them for who they were, gifts by whom God shares the abundance of grace. Beloved of the Lord, this Lent we take up the practice of neighbor love. The neighbors whom God gives us are familiar folks and strangers. They are next door or on the other side of town. They are living on County Route 4 and on Peach Orchard Point. They are old-timers. They are renters. 
God gives them to us not to judge as good or bad or to prove our helpfulness. God gives us these neighbors that we might receive blessings through them. A few weeks ago, when members of our church gathered around this story that Jesus told, I received a blessing. Kitty shared how Jesus' parting words, go and do likewise, touched her. These words not only send us to follow the example of the Samaritan, who lives out neighbor love with active verbs of care and compassion, these words also commend to us the beaten and bruised Judean who accepted the kindness of a stranger. So friends, go and do likewise. Love your neighbors and let your neighbors love on you. In the giving and receiving of love, surely God pours out the riches of divine mercy and grace. For such grace, let us give all glory and gratitude to God, from whom every family on earth takes its name, who has pitched a tent alongside us, who sends us to the ends of the earth. Amen.